What's up, cold weather bats people? This is Brandon Justice here to talk to you about our new partner here at CWB, and that is Prospect Center. Located in Clinton, Michigan, the Prospect Center is a baseball training facility that is available to all levels of baseball players, softball players, and teams. They've got an all-new field surf with three tunnels, six L screens, three field screens that are seven by seven, along with two pro-level pitcher mounds, an iron mic, a hack attack, and a hit tracks. So all the technology and amenities to provide for your individual training or team training. Owners Nick Capaferi and Mike Rice are in the building every day and can't be contacted directly for details at 586-649-7216. Again, Nick or Mike at 586-649-7216. Additionally, the Prospect Center is adding teams for the 2023 summer. If you're looking to take your team to a facility that can provide training throughout the winter and then a schedule for the summer, contact Mike Rice with Prospects Baseball. Welcome into another edition of Cold Weather Bats. I am one of your two co-hosts, Brandon Justice, coming to you along with Brian Sikowski, as always. And today we've got a loaded episode featuring not one, but two player interviews. It's been a minute since we had a player on. So uh, we welcomed on Noah Keller from Goodrich, the undefeated Goodrich Martians. Uh, and we also brought on Marcus Patton, uh, the big bat in the middle of Ypsilanti Lincoln's red hot lineup and as they continue to win games. So hear from those two about uh, various things, really good interviews out of both of those guys. We'll also break down some district stuff. Can't wait to share with you what we're going to do there. Another good idea from the brain of Brian Sokowski. Speaking of Brian, Brian, how are we? Hello. Hello. Uh, doing great. Doing doing great, man. Um, for the folks at home who are going to hear a couple different dates, like th- this is confusing. In, in our Noah Keller interview, you'll hear us talk about how we recorded it on Wednesday night, which was the day before uh, Goodrich and Flushing met up for the league title game that he pitched that he talked about. Today... Uh, in this opening segment is actually the day after it's Thursday and we happen to know what happened in that game. So we're going to talk about that too, but yeah, it's, we just had a weird recording week. We had to do different segments on different days and um, we're not breaking down a super 25 this week, just because we're finishing this episode four days before it's going to go out and blah, 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 blah. We're still going to post that on social media. You'll see that on Monday, but this episode's a little weird. We're going to get creative, and, and we have those interviews like Brandon talked about, and I'm uh, I'm excited for it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, we will uh, we're going to hold off on that Super 25 through the show, but the Super 25 will still release on our Twitter and Instagram, which you can follow us at Cold Weather Bats. Um, but we've been breaking down the Super 25 every week, uh, and I don't think that there's going to be as much movement this week anyway, Brian. Just like with how little games are being played this week with, you know, a lot of teams leagues being done and yada, yada, yada. So, uh, you know, with all that being said, just know that we're going to have a super 25 out. It's just not going to be talked about here on the show today. Yeah. And it was just like, we, we didn't, the way we do it is like, and here's a little glimpse behind the curtain. Um, super producer, James, AKA the goat, AKA the best in the business. Uh, he's got like a hellacious work schedule, like so nuts. It even makes Brandon and I look like lazy asses. Um, so his only time that he can, that he can produce this episode or produce every episode per week is on like early Sunday mornings. It's like right his window. So we need to be recorded by Saturday night, which usually no problem. We we do whatever we need to do, but we want to, we always take Saturday's games into account for the super 25 that comes out two days later on that Monday this week with us recording. So, so early, like, didn't want to do a Super 25 based on three days of action since the last one or whatever. So that's why we're skipping it in the episode. Um, like we said, we'll we'll do one. We'll put it on social media. Everybody will see it. But that's why we're not talking about it. But the show goes on, as it always does. Yes, sir. Um, we always find a way, one way or another. And uh, it's been a blast. So uh, we have some league champions that were crowned this week. You know, we were just talking about the topic of some leagues being taken care of. And, you know, this is the last week of the league schedule. So with it being 
Thursday going into Friday now, a lot of these leagues have been settled. And we've got some close-to-home teams winning uh, with North and South, with, with which we'll talk about, and a few other leagues uh, crowning some champions. So I'll have Brian take us through some of those. And also want to make sure that we shout out, because you know we did kind of let people know about how we needed more people to let us know their scores from certain areas, right? So that was a little bit of like mm-hmm. a, hey, please do this. So this week, shift gears a little bit, big praise for all the people that tagged us and not only their league championships, but I think this week was the most populated our mentions have ever been with uh, results, whether they were winning or losing. So uh, we really appreciate it because I think that in the end, if we can be like a central area for everyone to kind of understand what the scores are, just even if we're just retweeting, like it, it's still, you know, it's, it's a, it's something that didn't exist before and it's existing now and it's good. And then also it makes our lives way easier to find out scores and who's doing what and keep up with the trends uh, that are never ending in Michigan high school baseball, with all the talent that we have. So with all that being said, let's crown some league champions. Brian, take us through it. Yeah. And I'm going to miss some, like, I'm sure this isn't every league championship that was crowned tonight or yesterday or whatever. And like, there's more to come and the Catholic league playoffs haven't even started yet. Uh, Obviously you'll be at Comerica park all day tomorrow for that. Um, but yeah, from what we saw, we got to start with uh, the guest on the show, Noah Keller, uh, pitched extremely well in a game that Goodrich won against Flushing. So they are the league champions. They're 29-0 and now, as they uh, are only two games behind St. Mary's pace at 31-0. and So that's something notable. So congrats to the Martians and congrats to Noah Keller, who, who obviously got the win uh, in that game. Um, Brandon alluded to it a little bit earlier, but both the, uh, the high as well as Gross Point North. I don't know if Gross Point North has like a like a kitschy... I know, I know Gross Point South no, is known they do as not. the high. I don't know if, if North has one. But anyways, both North and South of the Gross Point schools won their leagues today. Um, south is the Mac Red and North is the Mac White, if I remember correctly. Brandon, was that right? Yes, I think we have that right. I know, well, South is Red. I know that. So as okay. long as you... Yeah, so I think you're right. Yeah, so either way, congrats to both North uh, Gross Point schools. Um, obviously, we're going to touch on uh, various districts coming up, So, uh, and, and they will, of course, see each other in districts, so that's something to, to look forward to. But uh, yeah, it shouts out to both North and South there, as well as Northville, who in a game against Howell, uh, which looked like a great game, Northville was victorious. They come out ahead. They're the league champion. Um, we had them ranked... Actually, let me pull it up. We had them ranked 11th on the last Super 25. League championships a pretty good way to, to make your mark and potentially move into the top 10 there. I don't know. We haven't looked at it fully. Um, but, yeah, the, those are the four that popped off the top of head that were active on Twitter today at Northville, Goodrich, and then Gross Point North and Gross Point South. And I think that it might be worth checking a record book because Liggett, who, if you don't know, is in Gross Point, uh, has a chance to win their Catholic League. I don't know if it's going to happen. It's going to be tough, but they they do have a a chance to win the you know they're they're in the spot for it. So they're in the playoffs. Yep, they're in yep. the playoffs. So there's opportunity. And if they do, and all three gross point teams win their league, uh, that would there's I don't think. Well, first of all, there's not many cities out there in Michigan that have three schools in the same city. Second off, mm-hmm. usually they're probably in the same league. I would assume. Uh, so I think it would be pretty unique if they're able to all three win a league. I mean, I don't again Liggett moved up, so they gotta play Marys and like, you know, you're probably gonna pick Marys. Right. So but you know, there's a chance. And it would be pretty pretty historical if they did. It would have to be the only time it's ever happened. So I mean South just won their first in a really long time. So this is probably the first time in a long time that South and North have each won one and North hadn't won one. So, you know, I just you know, maybe there's uh some history there and it's gross point and baseball is history there. So I'm sure there is. It's wild to me when, and I'm just using South as an example here. I'm sure there's many, many others like this isn't a super unique thing, but they won the state championship in 2018, but didn't win the league. Like that's wild to me. Like, Hey, get hot at the right time. Right. You know, like cruise into the playoffs and they obviously had an incredible team that year, but uh, how, you know, you don't win the league and then you win the state championship. It's just a weird dynamic. Yeah. And uh, you know, that's funny you say that. Well, it's, you know, because Coach Greasebaum, that was a huge thing that he preached like all the time when, you know, in my one year there uh, with the players was just if, it, if at any point we, they were discouraged because I think we had like a we had a pretty slow start to the league last year. Um, 
like towards the middle of the season. Like we weren't too bad out of the gate, but it was like once we got to that third series, we kind of started to descend a little bit. And I remember him saying that dozens of times that that happened, that they won the state championship and didn't even win the league. That was one of his his go-tos. And it's 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 really relevant because, you know, I just, there's a lot of t- – I think it's just like the mental side of things is going to tell you that more times than not, if you don't win your league, you don't have a chance in playoffs. And, like, you could, like, have some false hope, but, like, I think it's more – easy to think that way so yeah he, he really knew how to like relate that and and reference that situation so um well, it was a good tool you know because it connected with the kids and they were there experienced it so you know it was one of those things you learn when you listen to people talk listen to coaches talk i had a very interesting um conversation today on twitter it was i was using obviously the cold weather bats handle and, and um talking with several different parents it, it, obviously um it, it's not like hard to go look for that if you wanted to read it but the but the discussion was like it kind of moved from game changer stats to stats don't matter in recruiting to which stats actually do matter to like player dev to how you marry player dev and actually being good at the game and then like how that's recruitable and so on and so forth. So it was an interesting discussion that I think we're not going to do it today, but I think that we need to expand on that um, in a future episode. Maybe we bring Joe Mooney back on for a parental perspective and we talk about things a little bit more serious uh, than we did the last time and and pull back the curtain a little bit on some things. But uh, Either way, I, I definitely think that that's something we need to further discuss in episodes moving forward. Because, like, I don't the, – the short answer is – I'll say what I said on Twitter. The short answer is no one gives a shit what your game-changer stats say. Like, I've literally never in my life had a college coach ask me, well, what was his batting average in high school? Like, they do not care. If you're good enough to play college ball, you will inherently have loud surface stats. Like, if, if you're good enough to play college ball – you, your stats should be good enough to where like a coach screwing up a, a hit into an error or whatever, like doesn't send your parents into a screaming fit, like, or whatever. So like it, the people that do do that tells me that their kid probably isn't that good. Um, but it, and in reality, like it, it's, and then on top of that, um, there's a huge difference between cage ball and baseball, but I think both are hugely important player development in the cage is where you develop your skills. It's where you develop your tools. It's where specifics, bat speed and, and power at the plate and velocity and, and, you know, pitch design and so on and so forth. Like that, that stuff all comes in the offseason prep in the cage. But unless you throw one Oh two, like with elite characteristics on your fastball, like no one cares how hard you can throw a, a running gun into a screen with no hitter in the box. Like that's never gotten anybody recruited either. Um, it's, it may, may get some people interested, but it's never gotten anybody an offer unless you're a, an elite outlier. Like I said, a guy who throws one or two, you have to then be able to, you know, pitch in the game with a hitter in the box. Um, and it's same thing for cage bombs. Like you have to actually be able to hit, uh, but that's it, it, a different thing. We're going to expand on that in a big way in a, in a future episode. Um, but Brandon, I, I want to just jump us into what we plan to do here for our opening segment. And, and what we're going to do is we have the MHSAA district draws pulled up on our computers. We have not done any prep work for this. Uh, we're just going to kind of freelance this baby. And what we're going to do is we're going to pick out a handful in each division to briefly discuss and then make picks for. Um, basically just, you know, interesting district matchups and, and how we think they're going to go without any forethought. Uh, so, Brandon, if you want to kick us off in D1, like, be my guest. I would love to, as I always do. It was, I love guiding the ship. You know me. I like being in control of the show's rhythm. <laughs> I say that just to stall because I'm scrolling trying to find which district I want. <laughs> I can go first if you want. <laughs> no, no, no. That would be silly. Um, all right. Let's go with. Mm-hmm. Here we go. East Lansing. Sounds like a fun one. Why? Because yeah. you never guessed this, but Howell and Brighton are in the. Well, I guess they're kind of near the East Lansing area, but I still feel like it's a little distant, but whatever. Uh, yeah. Brighton and Howell are the two standouts in here, but you've also got Mason, Okamos, uh, East Lansing High School. 
it's actually being played at a middle school, which is confusing. But uh, if anyone has any intel on how nice the field is at McDonald Middle School, let me know. Uh, but I, I think Howell's the easy pick. But I think Brighton always has a talented team every year. And I think it's one of those things where, uh, you know, a school that has a lot of like history with its program being successful. Maybe Brighton isn't successful to the degree of like you're top five to 10 teams in the state, like, you know, your year in, year out, it's like Rice and Orchard Lake and, and, and so on and so forth. But I think they have enough to compete with Howell. I think they've competed uh, pretty well with a lot of good teams this year in our rankings. Like they've come up in several different scenarios where they've uh, competed with teams or beat teams or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. I think they have a, a win or two over Franklin, who's high up in the rankings and uh, a couple of other teams. So I think it's going to be an interesting district. I mean, I'm going to pick Howell to win it, uh, you know, logically, but I think Brighton would be a team that's going to, at the very least, compete. Yeah, I, I think that's an especially interesting one. And like, I think the dark horse there is Okemos. I, I don't even know if if Brighton is the dark horse. I, I would think. I, I think. That like, but that speaks to the strength of the district draw there. I, um, how uh, is the highest ranked team for us? I think that's the easy pick, like you said. Um, Okemos is a team that we have right on the the cusp of being ranked. They may even be in this week when we sit down and look at it. We'll have to take a look. But uh, and Brighton, it, good team. You know, like they always are. They're always a competitive, strong club, well coached, etc. Like. It, Good district draw there, and I'm I'm joining you in picking Howell, but I have Okemos circled as a big dark horse there. Yeah, that's uh, that's gonna be a good one. Uh, are we going to trade off? Are you gonna pick one now? Yeah. Okay. I figured um, as much, but I'm gonna take us out west to District Three, which is the Muskegon Wreaths Puffer Host District. Oh boy! And this is because it has Grand Rapids, Kennewa Hills. And Muskegon Mona Shores in it, both of those two. Um, I don't have their exact records in front of me, but I, I know we put Mona Shores in the rankings last week at number 15 overall. And Kennewa Hills is down in the also considered and probably deserves to be higher considering they were like 24 and two or whatever it was. And uh, just that's a that's a super interesting district draw for num- a number of reasons, not the least of which is, is obviously those two teams in particular. Um I am going to take Mona Shores there, but man, that's a tough one. That's a killer opening round. Yeah, and I think that that one is going to be because, like, Rock, I mean, shoot, they're all good. Uh, Mona Shores, Kanoa Hills, I mean, Grand Haven, Muskegon, Mona Shores, or and uh, Reese Puffer, those are all bigger schools, uh, as far as I know. I think two of those are at least bigger schools. So, but yeah, we already know what Mona Shores and Kanoa Hills have. Right. So we know how good those two teams have been. Uh, We know that I don't know a ton about Kanoa Hills, but I know Mona Shores has Paiseki, who's, you know, a high, big impact player that could, you know, change a game in the playoffs. Right. So that should be exciting. And there's uh, those two teams are so evenly matched based on what we've seen through the records and what they've done uh, against similar teams, et cetera, et cetera. So. Those two teams on paper should deliver one of the better games uh, of any district in if, if and when they meet in the district uh, among among any team in Division One or any district in Division One. Um, this next one, I'm a little shocked I didn't draft first overall, but I kind of just scrolled past it, <laughs> didn't see it. This on the fly thing was a great thing like in in uh, like theory, but it's it's been tough scrolling because I feel like I'm just wasting time on the show, but the show goes <laughs> on. So here you go. <laughs> District 15. Go ahead and scroll down to 15, Brian. Uh, there it is. Can- Canton, Churchill, Northville, Plymouth, and Salem. Um, I think Northville is the team that jumps off the paper because of how successful they've been this year. But we know that Plymouth was a team that hopped into the Super 25 late, uh, and they've had some really substantial wins. Uh, they even had a couple substantial losses along the way as well. Uh, it depends which Plymouth team we get. There's a Plymouth team that shows up and beats teams that it's you know on paper worse than or more inferior to, and there's ones where it's lights lost games that it shouldn't have lost. So uh, we'll see which Plymouth team shows up. But what we know is that Plymouth is – certainly capable of pulling the upset here in a district that is, you know, favored to go Northfield's way, not by a big margin. Canton's another really good team. Canton is Northfield's only loss so far this year. Well, they were their first loss, I should say, of the season. And that was when Caleb Williams went, I think, all seven against them in a 2-1 final type of game. Uh, so that's another part that's really uh, another Factor in this district that might eliminate Northville. Uh, you've got Canton, who's all, uh, I'm sorry, not Canton. 
Uh, you got Churchill, another good team in Livonia uh, that's going to compete. And then Salem, of course, you know, on the other one of the. Have you ever been to the Canton Salem Plymouth campus? Yeah, I had a cousin graduate from. At one of them, uh, he played baseball and then went to Northwood and like I would do hitting lessons with him once in a while. Like I've, I've just been there because of that. And I was like, what? Who? How? <laughs> like what? <laughs> it's one of the craziest designs ever, because anytime someone's like, hey, we're playing at Canton High School. I'm like, OK, guys, so we're actually playing at Plymouth High School. Uh, or no, it's not the can- Canton's the one that makes sense. But Salem's field is behind Plymouth School. And then Plymouth's field is behind Salem. Um, so that's where it gets like super tricky uh, and confusing to like find the places there. Uh, but all in all, I mean, the campus itself, like all three fields backed up to each other. I think that they're going to I would imagine that they're going to be able to all play there at once, which is cool. Uh, it's hosted. Oh, you know what? That's not going to happen, Brian. You want to know why? Because Northville's hosting. Uh, but Northville's got a beautiful okay. field, so that'll be good. Um, but yeah, you know, that factors in. Northville's got a home turf uh, in, in a season that they've had probably the best season as a whole. They've had it maybe in the past 10 years, right? I mean, they've had some good seasons along the way, but this is a pretty historic one uh, as far as a regular season goes. Um, but we'll see. Who are you taking here? I, I'm going to take Northville to win. I'm going to take Northville to win. My dark horse is going to be uh, Plymouth. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you, and I'm actually – pulling up the the game changer to make sure that I'm correct in what I'm about to say. So give me one brief moment here. But yes, okay. So the reason we put Plymouth into the Super 25 to begin with was because they beat Northville twice uh, back in early May. Um, swept them in a, in a doubleheader, uh, what is this, May 4th or whatever. They, they beat them 1-0 and 4-2. So that actually leads me to believe that Northville's going to win the district because it's really tough to beat a team multiple times in a year. So I, I, I'm going to go with Northville. They're hot right now. They've been, they had that really shitty week where they lost two games to Plymouth and two games to Lake Orient. And I believe they're undefeated since then. Um, including beating Portage Northern, including beating Howell tonight, obviously for the league title. Uh, but that's, I'll, I'll go with Northville there too. I think they're hot. Um, going to move us into our next one, and I'm going to go with the one we alluded to already. Gross Point North hosting District 22 with hated slash respected rival Gross Point South, the high. I'm happy we brought this one up. <laughs> coming into town, uh, and by coming into town, I mean literally this, the same town that they're from. Um, how far are the schools apart, man? Like six and a half minutes? Mm, right, probably more like, yeah, right around there, maybe like eight or nine. <laughs> they got Roseville in the house as well as St. Clair Shores Lakeshore and St. Clair Shores Lakeview because, I, I mean, sure, Lakeshore and Lakeview, why not? Um, but, I mean, that's I think we're going to come down to north and south there, a tale as old as time, um, obviously a storied rivalry in Michigan baseball, Michigan high school baseball lore. Um, I don't know who I'm going to go with there, man. Like, I, I just, uh, I'm going to go with Gross Point South in this pick. Oh, boy. Here we go. Um, well, first of all, I think Roseville is a sneaky team here. Roseville's good. They've had a really good season. Um, they won their they won their division of the MAC, um, albeit a lowly one, but all the same, successful year. Have some decent wins over good teams. So one to look out for. North and South are interesting because North has it, first. Let's at North Short Porch, and North really North's lineup really knows how to hit at North. Like they they have their field figured out well. I can speak from experience when we played against them last year, and it was just every ball was put like the perfect spot. And if it wasn't the perfect spot, it was over the fence. Shout out Drew Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, so North is so comfortable at their park. I mean, honestly, they are so comfortable at their park. However, 2019, or it might have been 2018, but I believe it was 2019. I heard a lot of stories about this. South went into North in a similar year where both teams had good years, but in the regular season, North got it's a very similar trajectory here. South went into North, had a nice, crazy game, and there was a lot, a lot of things that happened in between the first pitch and the last pitch that are extracurricular, if you will. Uh... South won, and I think that's going to happen again because South is red hot. They're they're one of the hottest teams. You can't say they're not one of the hottest teams in the state right now. 
They are, 110%. And they've got mm-hmm. uh, Chase Macy's throwing really well. Wells Graham is throwing really well. Robbie Leonard is throwing really well. Jonathan Drake is smashing the ball. Cliff Grabowski has had a phenomenal season. Alex Tigges and Ben Domzalski are two of the best catchers in the state. They have a really good team. Conversely, North has a team that stacks up really well, you know, talent-wise with Drew Hill and Brennan Hill and uh, Tedesco's throwing well, and uh, they got a good guy behind the play with Babcock. And Jordan Arsenal can come in and throw strikes for you. So you know they, they've got a lot of talent, right? Great game, probably one of the probably that's probably one of the games capitalized the games to watch in the districts among everybody in D one. <clears throat> but mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with South just because I feel like. Um, this has been a Dan Greaseball trajectory year where you start off a little slow and you get hot at the perfect time and you ride that wave all the way out in playoffs. And so I think that because of that, uh, there, I think that this is Greaseball's done it the way that he's always done it with this team. There, this isn't going like any different than all the other years. He's been super successful. All the seasons that have been really, really successful, especially playoff wise, have gone this way. So it's hard to go against history. I'll go with South in that district. Dark horse, obviously North. We are going to move on to Division Two shortly here. Just a couple quick highlights. Um, I have to talk about obviously St. Mary's's draw is the West Bloomfield District. Uh, West Bloomfield, a ranked team most of the year, uh, having a really good year. I believe they're twenty-five and six, or twenty-six and four, or something like that. Um, won the league. Uh, obviously, we've had Coach Bernberg on the show. He's a friend of the program. Um, St. Mary's and West Bloomfield in that one, and then the other one. Uh, District 30, which is hosted by Oxford, Clarkston, Lake Orion, and Oxford, all in that district. That's a, uh, an interesting one to watch. But uh, for the sake of time, Brandon, let's move on to Division 2, um, if you don't mind. And I am going to kick us off in D2, and I'm going to go right to District 36. It's hosted at Midland Bullet Creek. This is Bay City, John Glenn, Essexville, Garber, Freeland, Midland Bullet Creek, and Shepherd. What a district there, buddy. <laughs> What number are we at? 36. We're in Division 2 now. For all the people at home, we're just scrolling down a, an endless list of districts. So that's why I asked for the number. All right, good. All right, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. So, yeah, obviously, uh, we talked about it last week. I went up and literally saw Freeland and, and Garber play. Uh, went to see Schepanski throw. Um, Freeland's been ranked most or, uh, the last month or so. Garber is right there. We had Bay City John Glenn ranked for the first half of the season. Um, Bullet Creek is historically a very strong baseball program. I, I think that's an incredible district there. Like that's going to be really good baseball, and I would imagine that whichever team comes out of that district is is has a chance to make a deep run. Um, so for me, for my money, I am going to take the Fightin' Freeland. Um, I actually the, the Freeland Nine. The Freeland Nine on uh, on on Twitter, I believe, is their their handle. But anyways, I'm going to take the Freeland Nine. I, they split with Garber when I was there, so you know, you know, wasn't like an overwhelming thing. But I just like the way Freeland plays ball, man. They don't swing at balls. They make a lot of contact. They're good defensively. Their pitchers throw strikes. Like it's it sounds like a, a repetitive, boring mantra of whatever. But like that's that the reason it's a boring, repetitive mantra is because that's literally how you win games. Um, so hey, I'm on Freeland. I think any of them could come out of it, but I'm going to take Freeland. It's a nice rah-rah speech about playing good old time baseball. I love it. Um, yeah, I mean, Garber has the arm here with Stepanski. That can only win you one game, though. Which game do you throw him? Depends on the draw. A lot of variables there. <clears throat> you know, John Glenn's got arms. They've got Sontag. They've got Nathan Ball. Uh, they got a couple others there as well. Um, God, what's his name? The catcher. Uh, Kruziak, right? Kruziak, boom, there it is. Thank yeah. you so much. He's a pitcher too, yeah. He's, yeah, right. Yeah. So, John Glenn's deep. John Glenn can do a lot of things in a lot of ways. If they're if they're in the fifth inning and they're down one or two, or and a guy gives up a couple hits, they can comfortably go to a reliever, I think, in comparison to the other two teams. So I think they yep. have the deepest pen. Um, but Garber and Freeland have had better regular seasons uh, up until this point, as far as I know, <clears throat> based on last week's rankings. Now, if one of these, I'm saying this, but if one of these teams dropped this week uh, or they dropped this weekend, then don't quote me on that. Okay. Mm. All that being considered, I'm going to take John Glenn. I think they're deeper. I think they have more depth with their rotation. And I think that matters in a game like this. And it always matters in playoffs because you got to, you got to go more than one game. That's why we always value teams with two power arms so much like, you know, a la Huron, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's kind of where I'm at with that. I just think John Glenn's got a deeper team, uh, wrote, you know, as far as the their arms go, and I think that matters. And I think that their lineup 
is probably better than Garber and Freeland on paper. Uh, but, you know, mm-hmm. Freeland is going to be my dark horse. I, I hate to leave Garber out because they probably had the best regular season of the three. Um, he, but Freeland, I like what you said about Freeland. And you've watched him, and I trust I trust your word more than I trust my own about baseball. So I'm going to go with Freeland as my dark horse, but I'm going to take John Glenn. Fair. And that means i got to come up with my D2 district. Um I want to make my way. There it is. Found it. All right. So <clears throat> the, you're going to love this one. This is the airport district. It's, this is always. Okay. So this, we just mentioned Huron last little bit there. Huron is never really the team that you're looking out for in this district. Historically speaking, Huron's had a very good team for the past five or six years, I think. Uh, so this district becomes interesting, though, to me because of airport. Um, it's at airport. We all know airports. Uh, if you don't know, airport is this middle of nowhere type of school that has this incredible baseball complex. And it probably needs some updating. I haven't been there in a while, but I'm imagining it would need some updating in certain spots. But this place, like in 2012, Brian, was like the Mecca. Yeah. Like it was this baseball Mecca. I remember. Build a dreams. Build yeah. dreams type stuff. Um, so, yeah, airport. They have a good team this year. Uh, they They haven't been like top 25 in the state type good but they're still a very solid baseball team uh like they always are airport is always a good team and they they win in the playoffs i mean seemingly every year they make it out of this district so but it's here on we know what here has in gavin muzzy and in luke cole we know how good they've played they've displayed they've lived up to these expectations we talked about it i think it was in last week's episode how here was a team that we ranked second and got some flack for it you know a couple of weeks in keeping them there but they're they've stayed there with only two in their loss column so you know it's tough to pick against them so i'm not going to take here to lose this district i just think that airport is really going to give them a great game similar to like freeland because of how well they play the game uh you know together in all facets and at all levels so uh interesting district here i think it'll come down to those two teams but i think that we could see Huron, who's a heavy favorite in, in our opinion to win d2 and you know ranked highly in in uh super 25 throughout the entire season could potentially go down I uh, I agree with you in picking um, Huron to win, obviously, but I'm going to differ from you in that I'm picking them to win it running away. So that'll be how we differ there. I think they're going to win it by a lot. So you are you are strongly siding with the Chiefs. I'm I'm yeah man yeah man down river blood I I, I mean this here so like here's an act Huron's an interesting question like the city of New Boston. I consider that downriver, although there's an argument to be made that it's way too far inland to be considered downriver. But I also make my downriver map by which cities had uh, teams in the downriver football league. Um, And by the downriver football league, I mean the fourth or eighth grade league. So if you had a team in that league, I consider you downriver. but hey, I don't know. Anyways, it's an interesting discussion for like three people total. Um, my 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 pick in D two here. I'm going to shoot us down to District 55. I'm going to keep the Downriver flavor. Uh, this is a Trenton host. Uh, we got Detroit Martin Luther King, Grozeal, Riverview, and Trenton. And I think Trenton and Grozeal are, are two of the best teams downriver, two of the better teams in D2. Um, one of those early draws that you wish kind of happened a little later on in the playoffs. But either way, I think it's going to come down to those two schools. I am going to go with Grozeal, the Fighting Islanders. Um, I, yeah, that's where I'm at. If this is a... <laughs> This was the district, you know, growing up, it was a little bit different. Riverview was still in it at the time, but, and so was Grozeal, but we had, uh, there was another team that was always in it that switched over. I forgot who it was. We always had a fourth team that kind of like randomized a little roulette. Like one year it was Summit. The next year it was like Robichaud. Now he have you know, MOK in there. Um, so Grozeal, Riverview, Trenton, these are three teams that know each other really well. Like there's some history to this district. They've been doing it for years, uh, at least 10. I might've switched once or twice along the way, but this, this district is familiar. So, uh, there's a lot of like knowledge from coach to coach. They, each team knows how each team plays and, um, they're going to come into this with a lot of preparation, I think on all three sides. Um, but really it comes down to what the draw is, you know, does Riverview play Trenton? Does Trenton play Grozeal? Does Grozeal play Riverview? Because it's going to come down to, you know, the team that draws the other. And then the team who draws MLK will, in my opinion, strongly advance. So 
it comes down to that, and I don't know what the draw is. And, th- and this district is so even. Girls Hill, Riverview, and Trenton can beat each other ten times apiece. You know, those three teams are so evenly contested. So I, uh, I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Girls Hill. I think they've had a good year. I think they have a strong team. I think uh, Coach Garz has done a really good job there, and, and continues to. Um, Trenton hits the ball really, really well. One to nine. All nine guys can put the ball in play. Um, they don't have any dominant arms like they've had in the past, but you know they do have strike throwers who are going to compete and going to give them a chance to win. Uh, and then on the Riverview side of things, that's another team that can hit for the most part, top to bottom. And they probably have one of the better arms uh, of any in this in this district. So this is probably the closest district we've discussed, in my opinion. Um, and so. I'm going to stick with my pick, Gold Crow's Eel. Hard to pick one dark horse. I'm just going to say both, Riverview and Trent. I mean, it's, it honestly is going to come down to what the field is. That's fair. Uh, both Roland Crow's Eel there. Um, and for the sake of not making this a two-hour episode, we are going to just stop after you pick another D2 district to talk about. We're going to do three and four next week. We'll do one and two this week. Just we don't want to make this segment an hour long, and then you got interviews on the other side. Who wants a two-hour podcast? Um, so yeah, I, Brando, take one more and then we'll, uh, we'll close up shop and go into the interview. It's a great idea. And, uh, like we said, doing things on the fly in theory is always great. And then you get halfway through and you're like, Oh shit, we've been here for how long? Who even knows? No reason to check. All right. My last one's going to be district, uh, 59. Uh, and this district has Armada, Marine city, Marysville, and then Richmond and St. Clair. And I think that that those two are the teams to look out for uh, in this district. All of these teams can play, though. I mean, Marysville is a good team. They, they always have a good team. Marine City always has a good team. Armada always has a good team. Or I'm sorry, I, I messed that up. I meant Armada and Marine City always have good teams. I think Marysville is kind of up and down. Um, but don't quote me on it. I just know a guy who went to Marysville and played there, and he mentions it. So that's my intel. Um, Marine City, I know, has a good team. Now, as I said, when I introduced this district, Richmond and St. Clair, your teams to watch for. These are two Super 25 teams. I think St. Clair dropped last week. But either way, these are two teams that have been featured in it this year. Um, St. Clair has a pretty, like a really solid arm at the top who can compete in like a championship setting. And I don't know. Maybe you're not a fan of this or, or, or maybe you are. I don't know. If you're in a district, and this has nothing to do with the specific teams in here, but if you're in a district and there are clearly two teams that are better than the teams below it, and you're one of those teams and you're playing to face the winner of that other team who's you know the heavy favorite, do you throw your number two in the first game and then throw your number one in the second? Or do you throw your number one and guarantee your way in? Now, I know that the right thing to do in the more expected answer is always to throw your, you can't get in if you don't throw your best. Uh, but in a situation like this, Brian, like how, how would you analyze it? Cause this is just one of those topics that everyone always talks about and everyone's been on the wrong side of it. Like everyone's been on the wrong side of it. Yeah. We've all started our ACE in the semifinal. That was very winnable and, you know, m- not mercyed our way, but maybe won like six Oh or five Oh comfortably. Uh, and then went into the final and our number two or three got knocked around. Right. Like we've all been yep. there. We all, we, and then we've all been in the side where you throw your, you throw off and you lose in the semi, you know, that, that, that happens. So I just wonder what your perspective is on that before I deliver my pick here and we wrap it. Um, man. So it all, it all depends on, like you said, the draw, like if it's one and two are playing on opposite sides and could meet in the final, then that's different than if one and two are playing each other to, to get to see maybe three or four in the final. You know what I mean? So um, I, it, it's a tough discussion. Just, you know, I, obviously most of my coaching experience was at St. Mary's with, with Matt Petrie and Matt was, was always very much in the league. It's you, you got to win the semi. Uh, so I, I mean, Brock Porter's starting tomorrow uh, in the, in the semifinal against uh, Catholic Central rather than like waiting for a hypothetical final against Rice or Liggett. Um, you know, there was there's a conceivable way that you could have started Brock on in the midweek on Tuesday, and then he's on regular rest for a potential championship next week. Um, but no, I, Matt says, "Hey, Catholic Central played us really, really close the last time. Like, we need to start our ace. That's just we we got to win this one." And I and I tend to agree with that. But then, like, when you get to a district and and the potential of like you seeing a, a very below average team first. I'm I'm like more than okay with throwing off in that situation if you are sure you know no one's sure but if you're reasonably positive like I, I'm I'm with that philosophy for sure because I I've seen it work a 
most times, at least in my experience, but I have a different experience than a lot of people. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've coached um, bad teams. Like, I want people to know that. Like, I have, like, spent seasons getting my ass kicked. Like, I, I have been there. Like, so I, I don't want, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's no secret that uh, I'm experiencing a less lesser of a win season than, than usual, but I've learn and I've told you this I've told you this off air so you know this this isn't me like I'm not like they say coach speak so this isn't that I mean this I've learned more this year and for context we are like 6 and 17 it is what it is uh I've learned more this year not only from this team and uh, the players and all of that, but also the coaching staff. Like I've learned more from from being around those guys and how we're handling this situation, not winning like we used to, like we were used to. Because no, like why not's not this perennial super twenty five team, but like we're always solid. We're always at the top of the league. We're always in the top four. We're always in the mix, right? We haven't yeah. been this year. We haven't been from the jump. So it's 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 uh it's different. And so how all of us are handling this, from our players to the guys I coach with, uh, Chris and and Cotty we've learned so much like we've been because we've had to you, you have to you have to start reinventing yourself in seasons like you can't just coast and so um yeah like I, you just mentioned coaching you know teams that aren't as good and it's like everyone needs that experience right like you, you got to see full spectrum before you can really begin to understand right and um you know so we, we get spoiled sometimes with having good teams but they feel a little bit more they feel a little bit more earned sometimes too though right i mean i know from your experience yeah. like you always talk about the first year you were at st mary's in comparison to, to last year like how, how night and day it was right so um so yeah it's all interesting but yeah, back to the district uh i i'm gonna take richmond because i think that they've got hitzelberger and davenport those two guys can go on the mound i know that they're a deep team they're always a deep team st Clair is too and i think st Clair plays in, in a really good conference and they've had a tougher or equally as tough schedule because Richmond's schedule is tough too. So you can't really make that comparison. Both teams are good, really evenly matched, two really good arms at the top, uh, good lineups. I just think Richmond has the deeper lineup and I think they have the deeper bullpen. And I think that I'm always going to go to that when it comes to these picks is who, who can, who can put more, who has more disposable arms. That's typically going to win you ball games in the playoffs more, more than anything else. Right? Like creating runs is, is how you win baseball games. But like, in my opinion, if you if you're going to make a run, quote unquote, to a district where you have to win two games, you're going to need disposable arms, right? Like just a like it's almost like breaking the the glass to grab an extinguisher, like you know, like you, you got to have a backup plan. You can't just ride out an ace and have nothing behind it. And not that St. Clair doesn't have anything behind their ace, but I just think Richmond has more and they have the deeper lineup. So going to go with Richmond, uh, and I think Richmond makes a run in D two, and I'm sure we'll get to that when we <clears throat> get to regionals. And if they're still there, we'll talk more about it. But I do think Richmond is the one of my favorites in D two. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think it's a great matchup. I think both are good teams, um, and I don't really have any like dissent here. I, I also take Richmond. I, I think they're better, probably better on the mound, just in terms of depth. Um, and as we know in a district. Sometimes two arms can carry you. So, uh, shit, I, most of the time two arms can carry you is what it seems like. So, uh, yeah, I roll with Richmond as well. And with that, we are going to take you into our first interview segment with Noah Keller. Uh, as a reminder, this interview came before Noah Keller pitched uh, Goodrich to a league championship League championship. Yeah, I didn't have to say another word at the end of that. I don't know where my brain went there, Brando. Uh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> pitched Goodrich to a league championship. Uh, you'll hear from him next. Thanks for hanging out with us in Cold Weather Bats. Woo! Welcome into the first of two interview segments on this week's episode of Cold Weather Bats. We are excited to be joined by Noah Keller, left-handed pitcher and ace of the undefeated Goodrich Martians. 28-0 as of this recording. And folks, as we said in the intro, we are recording on Wednesday night. We know you're not going to hear this till Monday, just the way the schedules work this week. So hello from the past. But anyways, as of right now, the game between Goodrich and Flushing has not yet been played. It was the league championship game Thursday at 4 p.m. Keller's going to be on the bump. Noah, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
So, all right, we're, we're going to start right there. You guys are undefeated. You're 28-0. You're the only other team in the state that's played more than 20 games or whatever, at least that I could see, that's undefeated aside from St. Mary's. What's it? What have you guys been doing? I really just thought we, we have done the big things and the little things right this season. I've, you know, I've really been preaching to our guys all season that, you know, the game of baseball is definitely about the big things, but it's the little things that make you undefeated this far. And, you know, when you're, when you're 12 and 0, 13 and 0, you know, you get to 15 and it's still kind of, it can be smoke and mirrors sometimes, but I mean, I really feel like, you know, when you're 28 and 0 and you start getting up into those higher numbers, it, it really says something about your team that's beyond baseball. You know, our, um, mentally we're, we're a really strong team. We talk a lot about, the, about the mental aspect and different approaches. And, uh, I've got a great catcher who calls all of our pitches, whether he's in the game or not. Um, and he, you know, we just, we do, we do little things, right? Noah, I know that, uh, <clears throat> we've mentioned already that, that you're the ace in this team. Uh, and from a field standpoint, when you're on the field, that's your role. Um, but just talking how you're talking about your team, uh, talk a little bit about what your role is off the field and, and your leadership and how serious you take that and, uh, what you've instilled in this team mentally that maybe you've learned from, you know, other parts of baseball outside of Goodrich. Um, just, you know, tell us about what your role is on this team besides just being the ace. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I do play first base every other game that I don't pitch. Um, and I think that I do a really nice job of keeping our pitchers level-headed. Um, you know, I'm always talking, doing it, talking to them at first. If they ever need help with a pitch call, I'm always there for them that way. Um, I'm, also, I'm also a captain, um, and I, I work really hard to make sure that we're never taking wins for granted. I think that, you know, that's a big thing that undefeated teams can do sometimes is they just kind of get on the field and they go to practice every day and they expect to win the next one, and the next, the next win is not given. Um, and we've done a great job this year of not taking a single win for granted and going out, putting runs on teams early, um, and really just crushing hope right from the start. So it's all right. Take us through a little bit, uh, what's going to go down tomorrow. You guys 28, no taking the field ace on the bump. That's you flushings out there. I would assume Jacob Morrison is going to be throwing like, am I, am I wrong to expect that? No, he, he is throwing. Yeah. Okay, so we got Keller v. Morrison, a premier matchup in that uh, northern what, northern part of Detroit between Flint, whatever whatever that area of the of the country is called. Um, take us through what's going through your head right now, the night before. You know, it, baseball is one of those sports where you can't, you obviously cannot go in arrogant, but in your head, you have to believe that you're better than the other guys. Um, and I, you know, I've got a winning mentality. I, I trust the team that I have behind me. I know Flushing's very good. Jake's one of my good buddies and Jake is a fantastic pitcher. Um, but you cannot go into this game any other way than thinking you're going to win. And I'm sure I know he's sitting at his house thinking the same exact thing right now. So we're, we're very excited. This is an absolutely huge test for our team. Um, and for theirs as well, but you know, we're looking to go out there, have fun, but we are looking to win tomorrow. And I really, I do think we can do that tomorrow. Absolutely. So we've, uh, we've covered the team and I know you guys are having an extraordinary season, but you know, Let's take a step away from that for a second. Uh, as a player, your career is going to you know, go on past just the senior season for you, and I know that's your focus now, but uh, in thinking forward, what are some of the goals that you worked on this offseason? Uh, how are those things helping you now during the season? And then what are your goals in between now and then getting to Cornell? Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I trained in the offseason with, uh, with primetime programs, um, and they, they really helped me take a step, um, not only in velocity, but in polishing all of my pitches, um, this, this off season and last off season, I, I came back this off season, um, Jordan ED programmed me, um, and Brendan Kelly, and they did a fantastic job of upping, not just the amount of times that I was throwing hard per week, but the, just the amount that I was throwing per week volume wise. Um, and so I hit one of my, my biggest goals in my last start, I hit 90 in a game. Um, and that, that was really huge for me. I was really pumped about that. Another one of my big goals this year was to throw all three of my pitches for strikes consistently. I've always done a really good job fastball wise, but I, I, I tended last season to have games where I really had to extra depend on my fastball because my curveball wouldn't fall or I could not, um, find a way to get my change up in the zone. 
And this season I've thrown all my pitches for strikes um, and pretty much wherever I've wanted to. And that's been a huge key for me Um, going forward, you know, going to Cornell. I don't really know. I don't really know what to expect uh, too much. I'm super excited to go there. I'm really happy where I'm at. Um, One of my biggest goals is just to make an impact as a freshman and just be one of those guys that all the seniors uh, look at as dependable and a guy that the team wants to be around. Take us through uh, your recruiting. Uh, take us through the what ultimately led to your decision to go to Cornell. Obviously, we know Ivy League school uh, academics are, are at a premium there more than anywhere else. Um, but what else went into that decision? What made you feel most comfortable? You know, so I was actually looking more um, into like some Big East schools, a um, couple in the A10, um, and I got a call from Cornell, and I flew out the next day. Um, and I just really just fell in love with the campus. I, I, I knew the, the academics were at a premium. It's division one baseball. So I checked my boxes, but you know, my parents have always told me if I get good grades, many more doors will open for me than just, um, than the person that has a three, five or a, or a three Oh. Um, and so I, you know, I worked really hard on that for my four years and it definitely paid off for me. I'm extremely happy where I'm at. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall just academics. Um, division one baseball was, was really one of my biggest goals, um, ever since I've been a little kid is to play at the division one level. And then on top of that, the campus is beautiful. And I've, I, I just fell in love with the coaching staff. So speaking of the coaching staff, uh, what were those conversations like with them, uh, initially leading, you know, when they first started recruiting you and then how did those conversations develop over time and what have they told you that they envisioned for you, uh, in your career at Cornell? Yeah, so they first called me my, my junior year. Um, we talked a little bit. And then, um, or no, I guess it was my, I think it was my late my late sophomore year I talked to them a little bit. And then my junior year, it, it picked back up. Um, and I was actually, I was actually ready to commit to another school. And then they called me uh, like later that night um, that I, I was about ready to commit and they offered me me. Um, and so I, you know, I flew out the next day and I, you know, I, I talked about that, touched on that. Um, but as far as what they envisioned for me, I, I think that they do see me making an impact. You know, I obviously know that I'm going to have to go in there and I'm going to have to work harder than I ever have. And I, I'm really excited for that. I pride myself on my work ethic. Um, and I'm really excited to just to go in there and really show them who I am. Um, and just, you know, put forth my best effort every day. I, I hope that they, that I'm able to show them that, I can put all my pitches in the zone and I, I compete within the zone early on. We're going to put you on the spot a little bit like we do uh, with our interviews uh, on this show. But all right. So who who do you want in the state? Anybody in the state? Who would you want to strike out the most? Any hitter? Um. Oh, man. So I, 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 get, I get one hitter. I get to strike out anybody. One hitter currently active in Michigan high school baseball that you want to pitch against and K up. Oh, that's a that's that's a tough one. It's putting you on the spot, man. No, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great question. I'm gonna have to go David Lally from Grand Blank. <laughs> We've never gotten to play against them, um, and I've always wanted to play against them. And he he's one of my good buddies, and I know that when he listens to this, he will know that it's in friendly competition. But, but yeah, I I would love to to play David and and strike him out. On the other side of that question, I'll give you something similar. Which batter would you like to avoid at all costs? Like, I know the competitor in you would probably be like, okay, let's do it. But if you had to pick one hitter to not face among the state, who would you pick? Probably Ike Irish. <laughs> Seems fair. Yeah. I, 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 that, fair. That, was, that was a pretty easy answer. I said dog. First one took you a minute. That one was pretty uh, automatic. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, about- for the first question, I had a lot of hitters in mind. I just kind of had to pick the best one, but. I mean, Ike was like five for six with five bombs to start. So, yeah, I, I, I think I, um, I'd like to avoid him at all costs. <laughs> so we want to we wanna K up Lally, but we'd like to avoid Irish. Okay, listen, I, I think that's a very educated answer. Don't you think, Brandon? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think there's evidence there. I, th- I, think, you got, I think you got the, uh, the backing to that, no doubt. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, Noah, man, we, we really appreciate you joining us on the show. Uh, thanks for coming on. And, and obviously, good luck the rest of the way. Good luck next year at Cornell. We'll be tracking your progress. And most importantly, good luck tomorrow against Flushing. Yeah, thank you so much.
Welcome into our second interview of today's episode. We're with Ypsilanti Lincoln, first baseman Marcus Patton. Uh, Ypsilanti Lincoln is on a nice little run here, making a lot of noise. Uh, a lot of teams and, and people around Michigan high school baseball have taken notice to what Lincoln's done in the second half of the season. Uh, a little bit of a slow start, recovered, turned it into a 500 record, and now we bring on a guy in the middle of, middle of their order for the past couple of seasons for the splitters, and that is Marcus Patton. Marcus, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's always a good day when I get to have Marky Mark on the show. So we'll get the elephant yeah. in the room out of the way. Marcus played for me last summer. We had a blast. Uh, you know, he Marcus, you have a lot of fun and you know how to create an environment with your personality and you know how to, you know, blend in with your your teammates and, and gel with them and and all of that. So talk a little bit about, man, just your personality and what your approach is like. I know you learned a lot from your dad in that aspect. Um, but when you come to the field, you you typically come with a lot of energy um, behind you to uh, you know surround your teammates with. So talk a little bit about what your mindset is when you show up to the field and what your goal is each time uh, to go out there with your teammates. Um, personally, I just tend to want to have fun. Don't make it too hard on me. Um, always have a smile on my face, even when I do something bad. Just shake it off and go to the next play. And I try to put that on my teammates also. Because I believe the game is to be played fun and not always mad if you make one mistake. So I tend to just always play with a smile on my face, even if I do something bad. Marcus, tell us, I want to hear about your game. I want you to tell us about what makes you as a player. What's the thing you like the most? I like I like hitting. Hitting is my strong suit. I'm really good at hitting and I can, I'm a power hitter, but I'm like a power hitter that can make contact and put the ball anywhere on the field. And I don't really strike out that much, and I don't tend to really get out that much. I can go to all sides of the field. I can hit mostly every pitch, every pitcher. I tend to usually carry with my bat. And that's my game, like, kind of. So you talk about your bat, and Marcus, I mean – you and I can, can have this conversation and, and you're not going to get offended. So I, I don't want anyone at home to take any offense to what I'm about to say. All that matters is if you don't, and I know you won't. So you don't look like a guy who's going to go up there and be this all fields hitter. Who's sometimes even more contact first than power, right? You, your power kind of comes by the way that you prioritize bat to ball. And then when you run into one, it's just going to take off, right? Like you don't go up there swinging for the fences of course. and, uh, of course. Yeah, and like what I learned was when when we took you on last year, and then we went into the summer. I had expected to see more of what we thought you were going to see, but people are always shocked when they see you at the plate and your approach, and how it doesn't really. It's one of those things where it's like you don't want to read a book by its cover. You're that kind of hitter. So talk about like if you had to give advice to someone who has too much of that, right, or too too much pull side, or too much one way. What's the advice that you would give to a hitter who has your body type that's supposed to be this, that, and the other thing. Um, but how do, you, how do you become that all-fields hitter that you are? Um, the way I became an all-fields hitter is I worked on my weaknesses and worked on going the opposite way. For my uh, my hitting trainer, Brian Barnes, he taught me that I can be a power hitter, but I'm also going to be a hitter that can go to all sides of the field. And I can be the situational guy that we need. And like that big game we had in Georgia versus the Richmond Braves, we needed a big uh, a big double that we needed that I gave and scored those runs to put us get the extra runs that we needed for the game. So I think I tend to gel in the situation, and I advise all like hitters like me to start working on the weaknesses and not just uh, pulling the ball, not just swinging for power, but to work on the hitting the curveballs, taking them opposite way. Uh, hitting the fastballs outside, hitting the low fastballs, taking them any parts of the field, not just swing for the fences every time. Marcus, take us to uh, let's talk about uh, Ipsy Lincoln High School here, man. We got you guys are playing well of late. We're seeing you beat Pioneer, you beat Howell, who's ranked really highly by us. You beat uh, um, John Glenn. It, it, take us through what's been the kind of the mojo for the second half of uh, of Lincoln's year and how, how y'all are playing well. Well, our second half we're doing really well right now. 
And I think we're all gelling together as a team. And we're cutting down the strikeouts, I can say that. Uh, so I think we're gelling together and we're starting to play for each other. In the beginning of the year, we weren't really playing for each other. And we played differently and didn't play as like a brotherhood that we are. And now that we have, we're, we're, we're a really young team, and now that the young team that we have is starting to jail, and the, the older leaders like me, Braylon Montgomery and Jamil Ramsey are starting to teach these younger guys that it's not all about uh, not all about like hitting the ball, going for stats, it's about playing for each other. And I think that's what we're starting to do, and that's why we're starting to have the success that we have. What would you attribute most to what this team has kind of learned on the fly? You know, like what what was was there a moment maybe, or maybe there was a speech after a game where everything just kind of started to click? But you know, when you're a, a good ball team and you start slow, it takes a minute to kind of find that that you know switch that flips at the middle part of the year. So, what was it for you guys that, that really switched up? I told I start telling the team not to press not to press themselves, not to have that voice in their head to tell them that they're doing bad and that to pick it up next play if they make one mistake. Keep keep going. If, if you put the head down, the head down gonna be down the whole game. And we can't need to, we don't need that for the rest of the game. So I've been basically telling them that it's okay to make one mistake, just shake it off and go to the next play. And never never put a frown on your face if you make a bad play. And don't let uh, what coach is telling you affect the rest of your game. So that's what I'm trying to instill in the uh, younger guy's head. And I think it's been working really recently, really well recently. So I hope it works well in the future also. Let's change gears a little bit and look to the future. Uh, Marcus, I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but this is a very junior college um, forward show, right, Brandon? We've talked about JUCO on the show any number of times. Yeah, very, very JUCO uh, positive type of environment here on Cold Weather Bats. You are committed to Jackson College uh, over in Jackson, one of the better JUCOs in the state of Michigan. Uh, what what was it about JC that sold you on it? What made you fall in love there? And, and, and what are you most excited about doing once you get there in the fall? What really sold me was the campus and the atmosphere that, the, that, I, that I've seen. It looks like a four-year college. But it's a JUCO. I feel very welcomed by the coaches. Coaches were, feel like they. I feel like they wanted me at Jackson, and I believe that it's going to be a great fit for me. And I think I'm going to contribute a lot to the team, especially what they're asking for, telling me I can be in the uh, starting lineup, be one of our power hitters, and be a good hitter for the team. And what really stole me was the campus and the atmosphere that they they showed, and all the guys. All the guys were there welcoming me on when I went on a visit. All the guys came up to me, and they treated me like it's like a brotherhood. So that's what they sold me. So for you, your process, uh, your recruiting process was, uh, you know, it was interesting because you really saw your game take a huge uptick uh, the older you got rather than, you know, in some instances we might have guys who are really good as freshmen but descend a little bit. You really – ascended as the years went by, especially yeah. going into, uh, you know, last year's summer and then so on and so forth. So talk about the journey, because I feel like a lot of our, like you're saying a lot of these things about how your message to your teammates is to not be pressed and to not be stressed. I feel like a lot of our, um, you know, recruits in Michigan when they're like 15, 16, feel like they need to be committed. And if they're not, that they're failing. Uh, and it's almost systemic at this point because so many of, you know, the kids are committing early, which sometimes can be a good decision and sometimes maybe not. So talk a little bit about how you waited and how you allowed the process to be patient and I remember last summer you never really being pressed about it and allowing it to kind of manifest itself so just talk about your recruiting process and how you let it all kind of culminate um my recruiting process was was slow but I realized that everybody has a different way of getting recruited so like, everybody has a different journey and my journey was Duke route so I'm going to go to Juco route and grind my way to a four-year. And I think everybody has different journeys and that it does, you don't need to be committed as a freshman. Still can go ball out anywhere you go and take a Juco route, go to that four-year and do well. Be, excel. You don't need to be committed sophomore year. And I, don't, and I didn't think that. I didn't really press about it because I knew that uh, I was going to find a home. No matter if it was Juco, four-year, 
I knew that somewhere I was going to find a home. And what happened to be Jackson College is the home I found. And I'm really excited for what we have up to come. Yeah, things like that. All right, Marcus. Well, and I want to, before we close, I want to ask you one thing. Okay. And this is, this is more of a, of a me and you thing. I'll be a little selfish here. Last summer, what was your favorite moment? I think you already said it, but I'm going to let you, I'm going to see, I'm going to see what you say. The Richmond Braves game. When I, got <laughs> I figured. The, uh, the double and then you was on third base hyped up. Yeah. I, I do. Those memories I <laughs> do you remember our conversation before that pitch? Remember the, they, yeah. they took a mound yeah. visit. All right, tell it, tell it, because I was wondering if you remember, because it was, yeah. I'm not going to lie, it was one of my favorite moments, like really, in, like, you know, in all three years of Arsenal, it was one of my favorite moments, because what I said to you, what happened, it was just funny, it was, it, it's awesome, it's like, why you love baseball. He told me, told me, about to change these pitches, I want you to smash this pitcher, and first pitch, first pitch, first pitch I see, and the first pitch I seen, took the opposite field for a double score, I think the bases were loaded, weren't they? Yeah, so they they pulled the pitcher, and I think it was a two zero count or a three zero count. They pulled him mid count, and when you stepped out of the box and they switched, I said he's he's down in the count. He's a new pitcher. He's going to throw you meat across the plate just just to try and like get him over. Because they had remember that pitcher had thrown like eight straight balls, so it was it was a really funny yeah. uh, moment because I said you know first pitch probably going to be forced, and like I knew you were you were a zone swinger. You don't chase you don't chase a lot, so as a zone swinger, nope. I was like. Take your hack, you know. Take your hack. Bases were loaded. We were up five two and blew the game open. And that was, yeah. No, I was hyped at third. Yeah, you. Like I said, man, you bring the juice. You bring the juice. You bring the environment. So, yeah, we're uh, we're happy to have you on. We really appreciate it. Uh, we wish you guys Thanks luck, Lincoln. Lincoln's a great Thank story, uh, and we're we're enjoying watching it all kind of come along. So, good luck in playoffs. Good luck with your final few league games, and uh, we'll definitely keep the the audience updated on Lincoln season. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right, well, two solid interviews with Marcus Patton, who you just heard from, and then Noah Keller, who you heard from before that. Uh, And with that, that concludes today's episode of Cold Weather Bats. It was a good one. Uh, Went through districts, maybe a little long-winded, but all the same, went through the districts. We did D1 and D2. We will get to D2 and D... Or, I'm sorry, we will get to D3 and D4 next week, so make sure you uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, And... For all the people listening from those divisions, no, we did not forget you. Just a humble reminder next week. Um, and yeah, so I mean, hey, we got some great stuff out of out of Noah. We got some nice little nice little mental talk out of Marcus Patton. Uh, pretty good day of interview. Not to mention, as we said earlier in the show, Brian, Noah Keller. I, I'm starting to think that Cold Weather Bats is kind of like a like we we put some we put a rocket on you when you come on the show because Noah Keller goes and throws for a league championship. We'll see what Marcus Patton does uh, in the next couple of days. Maybe he goes yard a couple of times and we start saying like, I don't know, start coming on CWB. You might play in a, get a little boost to your attributes. It's kind of like the show, a little plus 10 to the, to the overall. I mean, if you go back as far as the pilot, both of the people that we had on the first show have in a way gotten promoted um, Alex Mooney is now the starting shortstop at Duke and Coach Ope, who was the director of pitching at IMG Academy, is now the pitching coach at Miami of Ohio. So, yeah, I mean, it, hard for us not to take most of the credit for those things in, in reality. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> just thinking out loud here. Just thinking out loud. <laughs> All right, folks, we've uh, we've already gone longer than we needed to. So uh, without any further ado for Brandon, I'm Brian. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. 